Hello, I'm Ray with yet another Sunday podcast for you. I've called this one Out of School Education or Education Out of School, Outside School. What's that all about? I shall tell you in a minute when I've done the weather. That's not very good grammar, is it? When I've done the weather, when I have told you or given you the weather report, 21 degrees centigrade, it's quarter to four. Saturday, no, it's not Saturday. <laughs> Who was it said, check the day and the date before you start recording? Yes, sorry, I should have done that. Quarter to four, Friday afternoon, the 1st of September, 23. 1st of September, here we go, pinch punch, 1st of the month. It's autumn in Britain now. It's autumn. Can you believe it? I'm still waiting for summer. What is going on? Anyway, where was I? 21 degrees, which is 70 Fahrenheit, 85% humidity, 10-11 on the barometer, and the flag and the cherry tree are being whisked around quite a bit from a breeze from the east, no, the west. I don't even know which direction. Goodness me. It's been one of those days. Well, one of those weeks, in fact. Yesterday, we were at the Wetlands Wildfowl Trust at Arundel. Today, we were at the Chalk Pits Museum at Amberley, just north of Arundel. It's been hectic. This Sunday, where are we going Sunday? Haywards Heath, number two daughter, uh, grandson's birthday. Not her grandson, our grand, her son, our grandson. <laughs> just to confuse everyone. I don't know. What am I talking about? OK, this education, out of school, outside school, what's all that about? I'll tell you what it's about. Have you ever heard of the University of Life? Now, I left school at 14. I probably told you I ruptured my liver, ended up in hospital, 14 years old, didn't bother to go back to school. Result. What did I learn at school? Nothing. Apart from the three R's, well, it was actually not three R's, is it? Reading, writing, arithmetic. It should be R-R-A, arithmetic. Anyway, I did the three R's. I learnt to read. I learnt to write, sort of. And arithmetic, well, no, I didn't, I couldn't do that. So school, to me, was a little bit of a waste of time. History, for example, I just mentioned history. Had our history teacher said... Right, you lot, you miserable lot of maggots. <laughs> what do you want to know about history? Are you interested in, was it an arrow in Harold's eye in 1066, Battle of Hastings? Are you interested in that, pupils, learned pupils? And we'd have said, no, boring. This is what history teachers should do. Give every child a piece of paper. What do you want to know about? I would have written down Stone Age, Iron Age, Bronze Age, someone else might have written Dinosaurs, someone might even have written Battle of Hastings, you never know. Everyone would have written down something different, I reckon. Perhaps some would have been the same. The teacher could have collected all the pieces of paper and find out, get a general idea of what the kids want to learn about. I don't think anyone's interested in the Battle of Hastings. Well, no one in my class, class of 40 boys, and it's, oh, we're doing the Battle of Hastings today, boys. <sighs> Do we have to? Open your books at page 83. <sighs> That's not teaching. Kids have got to be interested. Had they said, had the teacher said, right, young Ray over there, who's looking out of the window, the girls coming out of the girls' school. <laughs> young Ray over there wants to talk about the Bronze Age or the Iron Age. That would have been interesting. The caves the paintings on Stone Age cave walls of animals. They are absolutely brilliant. Have you seen them? You must have looked up on the internet or something. They are thousands of years old. That is interesting. That is real history. I would love to learn all about that. More recent history, perhaps Tudor times, Victorian times. Perhaps Isambard Kingdom Brunel, the engineer. That might have been interesting, especially to a class of 40 boys who were building bikes and whatever, getting into Meccano and stuff. How bridges were built, all that kind of engineering. Not Harold getting an arrow in his eye. That is not interesting. So I, after school, when I left at 14, I basically learnt from the University of Life. Well, you know what that means, education outside school. I learnt a lot in the playground. I learnt more in the playground at school than I did in class. 
sex education at our school didn't exist. Well, not in class, it did in the playground. <laughs> the things I learned in the playground, we won't go into that. I'll have Duncan, hello Duncan, sending me more peculiar noises, more MP3s with strange sounds on them. So I learned a lot in the playground. When I left school, I learnt, as I said, the university of life. It taught me a lot. You make mistakes. You watch people. You learn. I remember a chap, this is when I was, what, late teens, a chap in the pub. He was a carpenter. And one day I popped round his house. Do you know, I've been trying to think why. Anyway, I went round his house and he was doing some woodwork in his shed. And I watched him. It was wonderful to watch. I had learnt all sorts of things about woodwork. And since then, I've now, well, I built a shed down the garden. All right, it's not, I'm not a cabinet maker. I'm not a joiner. I'm not even a carpenter. But I know how to make a straight saw cut. I watched this chap. He told me how to do it. I know how to make basic joints. The woodworking class at school, that was a total waste of time. The teacher was a fool, <laughs> like the metalwork teacher. Wonderful workshop, lathes, milling machines, all this, but the teacher was an idiot. We had to make a, what did I make? A poker for poking the coal fire. And basically, it's a metal rod with a plastic handle. You know, what an absolute waste of time. I wanted to learn more about metalwork, but oh, we, couldn't, we, couldn't, we couldn't do that. Some kids made garden hand forks. I made this metal poker, it's a total waste of time. The only thing we were allowed to do on the lathe was turn these plastic rods into handles for the poker. Well, you don't learn by turning plastic. Anyway, that's all beside the point. I watched people doing things and I learned after school, when I'd left school, watched this carpenter chap. He was the one that said to me, can you bang a nail in straight? I said, well, yeah, of course I can. And he said, well, you shouldn't do that. You should bang it in at an angle. <laughs> I think, what's he on about? He said, if you get two pieces of wood you want to join together and you bang a couple of nails through them, straight through, the wood will pull apart. You can actually pull it apart. If, you know, you've got to be strong, pull the nails out. If they're both at 45 degree angles, you'll never pull that apart. And I thought about that. Yes, it's, it's true. He's right. Don't bang nails in straight, put them in crooked. <laughs> and I've been doing that. I've been doing crooked carpentry ever since. No, seriously. I built a, we had a couple of sheds and I made them into one big shed. I cut out a big hole, did the reinforcing, did all the sealing up so they didn't leak water. And then I added a third shed on the end. We had a gap about, what, eight feet by three and a half feet, this gap. And Trish said, well, what are we going to do there? Just sort of kick a load of junk down there, old bits of pieces. And I said, no, what I'll do, I'll build a, what we call a side shed. It's like a long, eight foot long, three and a half foot wide cupboard. And it's about six and a half feet high. And she said, oh, it's, it's going to be ramshackled. And I said, no, it won't. I know, I know how to cut bits of wood and put nails and screws in. Anyway, I did it and she was impressed. I must admit, I was impressed. <laughs> when it was finished, I looked at it and I thought, good grief, did I do that? That's rather good. I was quite proud of my work. But I learnt all bits and pieces from this chap in his shed, watching him doing carpentry. Not from the woodworking idiotic teacher at school. When I was at technical college, uh, doing the five-year radio and TV servicing, electronics, all that city and guild stuff, I think I've told you before, I learnt more from the chaps in the workshop at my job than I did on day release at college, or on one evening, I think it was, a week, one evening and one whole day. I learnt far more from the old boys in the workshop. The, the idiotic lecturer at the college, he didn't know what he was talking about. We had to build a, I won't go into it, it's boring. Basically, we had to build a, a valve radio. You're given the chassis, the valves, all the bits and pieces, resistors, capacitors, transformers. And at each stage, you have to write down in your book all the tests you did, the oscilloscope, waveforms and draw all that. I thought, I can't be bothered with that. Let's just build the radio, which I did. Built it, turned on, worked brilliant. Fantastic, absolutely brilliant. He came along. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well done. Let's have a look at your notes. Oh, I sort of done any notes. What? He moaned. Oh, did he moan? On the exam, the City and Guilds exam, as I was going in, he said to me, you won't pass. I thought, well, that's nice. That's nice. Isn't it? What a nice chap. You won't pass. Anyway, I did. <laughs> so that was one, uh, yeah, up his uh, whatever. 
I heard the term the other day, oral history. And I thought, what's that, oral history? I was out somewhere and a couple were talking about it, these two chaps talking about oral history. So when I got home, I put it into Google. I found out what it was. It's basically history learnt from, well, parents chatting to you. You know, tell me about the war, Grandad, and he'll tell you all about the war. Oral history, it's good. It's how stories are handed down through the generations. People remember what happened. Like your grandfather might say, now my grandfather or my great-great-grandfather, now you're going back to 1800 and something. He said this and he did that. It's interesting. That's, I mean, obviously you can't go back. No one can say, oh, now my ancestor, when he was battling with the dinosaurs, <laughs> it, you know, it doesn't go back that far, of course. But it is very interesting. I remember talking to a chap in a, a pub many years ago. This old boy in the court, well, he wasn't that old at the time. He was a Spitfire pilot in the Battle of Britain. And I'm thinking, wow, good grief. And he told me all about it, what it was like. Absolutely fascinating listening to him. A genuine Spitfire pilot. It's just so interesting to listen to someone like that. That's oral history, obviously, where you're told by people that were there or they knew people like a great great granddad he was there and the story's been passed down over the generations i think that's wonderful that's a really good way to learn well certainly relatively recent history anyway you've probably heard the various discussions recently about university is it worth kids going to uni should they go on apprenticeships and actually learn a trade is it a good idea to go to uni on a, I don't know, an embroidery course, get a degree in knitting or something? <laughs> no, I'm just being silly. You know what I mean, though? Is it better to go to an apprenticeship type job where you're earning, you're learning a trade, learning what you're doing? I knew a chap at school. He was really academic. He was brilliant at school, unlike me. You know, I was a bit uh, slow. Not, I wasn't thick. But I certainly wasn't academic. No, I wasn't slow. I, I think what it was, I wasn't interested. I wasn't academic or interested in becoming academic. This kid, it came to him naturally. Any lesson he was there, he could do it. I was good at English. That came naturally to me. I did enjoy English and I enjoyed science. But this other chap, he could do maths, English, science, geography, history. He had a, a sort of photographic memory for thing, dates and events in history. And we all thought in the class he was going to go on to become something brilliant. I don't know, some big name, uh, a banker in the city or something. He was that good at maths and English, everything. I met him some years after we'd all left school. He was in Wellington boots, old muddy trousers. And I thought, what have he been up to? And I said, hey, hey what have you been up to? You know, what are you doing, working in a field? He said, I'm a farmhand. A farmhand? I couldn't believe it. I said, but no, really, seriously, you know, what, what job do you do? He said, I am, I'm a farmhand. He couldn't get a job. He couldn't get a, a decent job. I don't know why, I don't know what was wrong with him. But he ended up working on a farm, basically a farm labourer. So <laughs> I did say to him, you were so good at school. He said, well... Not good enough, apparently. I don't know what the reason was. He didn't go into details, but I just thought, what a shame. He was so good at school and he ends up as a farm labourer. I don't know what he's doing. Well, he's probably retired now, like me. He's my age. But uh, what a strange thing to do after being so brilliant at school. He was happy. We went on, you know, we had a bit of a chat and he went on to say that he was happy. He loved working on the farm. Perhaps he ended up with his own farm. I don't know. But that suited him. So it's not so much earning the money, is it? I mean, obviously we need money, but in his case, he loved the farm work. I suppose to be labelled as a, a farm labourer is, I don't know, it, it shouldn't worry you. It didn't worry him. He seemed quite happy. I went into electronics, repairing, mending old tellies and radios, tape recorders, record players. The money was absolutely useless. It really was. It, the money was disastrous. <laughs> I remember one day the service manager, he was talking and he said, oh, engineers are two a penny. I thought, well, that's nice. Thank you very much. I've done five years at tech. 
Got my exams. Engineers are two a penny. I remember thinking, I didn't say to him, but I remember thinking, yes, and you only pay us pennies as well. But it was a job I loved. I loved electronics, loved repairing tellies. It was just almost in my blood. So the money didn't really come into it. Yes, of course, I, I often wish I was earning more money, especially when got married and baby came along, mortgage to pay. I did think I wish I was earning a lot more money, <laughs> but I wasn't and I survived. I used to frequent public houses quite a lot in my younger years. I liked the pub, especially in my teens, before I was married, loved the pub. And I met a lot of people there, you make friends there. Business is carried out or used to be in public houses. That's what they were known as, public meeting places. Business was carried out, people met each other, made friends. I learned a lot from the pubs, talking to people, meeting new people, different trades. They would talk about their trades. It was fantastic. I mustn't say fantastic, must I? I made a note somewhere. Where is it? I've got notes all over the desk here. Do not say fantastic. Because I think I, I was getting every episode. Everything was fantastic. So now it's brilliant or awesome. Is that an awful word? Awesome or awesome. What a crazy word. How can something be awesome? I suppose it can. Is that grammatically correct? I don't know. Education outside school. It's an interesting subject, isn't it? The things you learn. I suppose basically you learn or we learn from experience. We've all made mistakes. Well, I have. <laughs> you make mistakes in your life, don't you? Look back and hopefully learn from them. But school, I, is school any good? I do know that some children at school, they love it. I remember in my day there were two or three boys. They loved it. They did all their homework properly. I didn't bother with homework. I had other things to do. When I got home after school, I wanted to go to the woods. I wanted to play around with old radios, give myself electric shocks and mess about uh, with valves, tubes, as they're called in America. Not sit there doing history or geography homework. That's a waste of time. But these kids, they loved it. A few of them loved it. They did all their homework properly. Their books were very neat, whereas mine was scribbled. Well, that's when I bothered to put anything in them at all. But we're all different. And I think that's one of the problems with school. All the kids are different. You get one who is extremely academic and another one like me, can't do any of the work, can't be bothered with it anyway, and wants to go home and pull a TV to bits. <laughs> I also went to work for a marine electronics company. That was more interesting than mending tellies. There was ship-to-shore radio, which I love because I'm a radio ham anyway, and radar, sonar, echo sounders, all this stuff I worked on. That was interesting. But the money, honestly, the money was better, yes, than being a radio and TV engineer. But again, it was dismal amount. Open your wage packet at the end of the week. You'd look at it and, is, is this it? There's your national insurance, tax, all that lot's taken off. What am I left with? Is that it? for a week's work. Stone the crows. Absolute waste of time. The chap in the stores, I'll never forget talking to him. He said to me, how much do you earn? And I, well, I didn't want to discuss that, but uh, I thought, well, more than you, because all you do is push a broom around the place and muck about with goods in and goods out in the stores. Anyway, it transpired, there's a word, during our chat. He was on two pounds a week, more than me. OK, it's only £2, but that's beside the point. Whether it had been a couple of pence a week or £2,000, it didn't matter. He was earning more than me. Five years at technical college, all this knowledge. and uh, I went to the managing director, Reg. He was all right, old Reg, well, a bit of a nutcase. I said, hey, hey, what's his name in the stores? You know what money he's on. You're the managing director. You know what he's earning. Yes, yeah, yeah. I said, well, you all know then that he gets two quid a week more than me. And he said, well, yes, yeah. But, you know, he's, he's got a lot to do. He has the incoming goods, the goods out. Good. I said, he, he sweeps the floor, mucks about in the stores. He's got no real responsibility. Unlike me, I repair someone's radio. They sail across the Atlantic and the radio doesn't work. They can't communicate with the Coast Guard station. It's my fault. Oh, no, 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 don't look at it like that. I said, well, I do look at it like that. Honestly, that's when I left. 
I think it was a week or two later, I handed in my notice. I said, I'm leaving. And he said, where are you going? To be a, a floor sweeper or something? And I lied. I said, yeah, I am. I am. I said, I'm doing a cleaning job. I get more money than I do here. I, I wasn't doing that, obviously, but uh, that was it. I said, you can offer me more money if you want. He said, oh, that's all right. You can go. <laughs> and again, I thought, there you go. That's nice, isn't it? I'd only been there, how long had I been there, 18 months? And the funny thing is, shortly after I left, the firm went bankrupt, so I was quite pleased that I had left. I don't know whether you're aware, but I make uh, videos for YouTube, amateur radio videos, restoring old vintage radio videos, all this stuff, all about aerials and things. And honestly, the amount of people that have said, I learnt far more from watching your 15-minute video that I have from all the radio books I've got. And I thought, that's brilliant. I love that. Makes it all worthwhile. I think it's the way, first of all, you've got to have an interest. And then it's got to be explained to you in a, a certain way. Not boring. You know, it's no good being boring. Borathon. Where did I read that? Oh, someone the other day was on, um, was it on the news? They called Keir Starmer you know, the leader of the Labour Party, they called him a borathon. I thought, that's a good word, a borathon. Is he boring? I don't know. I don't take much notice of him. Perhaps because he's boring, I don't know. But our teachers at school were boring. They really were boring. They didn't want to be there. Half the kids, well, more than half, 90% of the kids didn't want to be there. The teachers didn't want to be there. Everyone was really pleased when the bell went at four o'clock. I think it was four o'clock. Everyone... We didn't leave the classroom. We didn't pile out of the classroom. It was a mass exodus, a stampede. Apart from one or two goody two-shoes, you know, bookworms, stay behind afterwards and discuss homework projects and that with the teacher. I don't think the teachers were interested. They just indulged them, I suppose, to an extent. I wonder whether you're listening to this. Uh, Suzanne, remember, you're a school teacher. You've contacted me in the past. It was lovely to hear from you. Now, you're a school teacher, so I better be careful what I say. No, these days, I'm talking about the 50s then, early 60s. These days, I do know it's very different. And I'm sure the teachers are interested. In fact, now let me get this right. Is she not our granddaughter? Our niece's husband is a school teacher. Primary school. And he loves it. And he's very good at his job. So I can't knock school teachers. You know, they are... They're worth, well, they're worth more than they're paid, in my opinion. But that's another thing, another issue. So, yes, school teachers these days is very different. In my day, they were just dreadful. And I'm sure if any of them were here now, well, they're probably no longer with us now, but if any of them were here now, I'm sure they'd say, well, you're right. I was dreadful. I hated it more than you did. <laughs> it really was, I don't know, a waste of everyone's time. Even when I was at school, I still learnt more outside school than I did in, in class. Talking to people, talking to friends of the family, relations. One friend of the family was a television engineer, radio and TV engineer. He used to come and do our telly. And whenever he came round, I was there. I was sitting on the carpet next to him, watching him take the television to bits, repairing the television. I was learning. He was telling me what each valve did, what parts of the TV did. I was learning and it was it was all knowledge that I retained for later on when I was mending tellies myself. But not only that, what what didn't I learn? Well, I didn't learn anything at school. We didn't learn about, they might think this is silly, we didn't learn about the countryside, wildflowers. There were one or two teachers that were interested in, I think I told you recently, haven't I, the cornfield next to the school playground. The, some of the mice, what were they field mice, I forget now. And the teachers, some of the teachers were interested in that and they explained things to us about the combine harvester. But in the main, especially at uh, well, what we know as big school, secondary modern school, the teachers weren't interested in anything outside their, well, their sort of curriculum. I am here to teach this. This is my, this is what I'm saying. I'm not going to deviate from that. In fact, one, have I told you? This before, I can't remember, one teacher, he was a RE or RI, religious education or religious instruction. He was drawing a picture on the a map of Israel, I think, talking about religion. 
And everyone in the class, they're all winding their watches, going, everyone at once. And he, he turned around, faced us all, and he said, look, I'm paid to teach. I'm going to teach. If you don't want to listen, that's up to you. That's your problem. I am going to teach. And some of the lads, not me this time, but some of the lads started chatting. He was at the front of the class saying, now this is the map of Israel, blah, blah, blah. Drone on, drone on, borathon, borathon. And we're just chatting. I was reading a comic. Was it Beano or Dandy? I forget which. Dennis the Menace. He was in the Beano, wasn't he? With Nasher, his dog. <laughs> but this, I felt sorry for this teacher. And he was right in a way. We weren't interested. He was paid to do a job. He wanted his wages at the end of the week or the end of the month. So he taught us. Whether we listened or not wasn't his problem. I did feel sorry for him, actually. Was it back in the 1980s or 70s? I can't remember. People were leaving university. They'd got their degree and they couldn't get a job. They were stacking supermarket shelves. I remember one chap, he was a porter on the railway station. And I, because I, I knew him and he said, I can't get a job. I forget what degree he'd got, whatever it was. He couldn't get into that profession. There just weren't the jobs there. And he was uh, a porter on the railway station. And that was happening a lot back then. Such a shame, really. Another thing at school, on one of the classroom doors, they had the, the letters like geography, history, maths. And on one of them, it said current affairs. Now, we'd never been in there. We weren't allowed in that class. And I didn't know what that meant. And I said to the other lad, what's current affairs? Don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're coming across as all a bit thick. We, I didn't know what current affairs was, did I? One day we had to go in there and have a, a current affairs lesson. Well, it's all about politics and stuff like that. I remember the deputy head, he ran the class. He said, OK, who is the prime minister? I knew. Do you know, I was the only, I think, one of about four that put our hands up. I said, Harold Macmillan, oh, well done. He was shocked. The other kids were, oh, oh, you're into politics. I wasn't into politics. I just heard somewhere on the TV or radio that it was Harold Macmillan. Now that shows you how far I'm going back, doesn't it? Whether you love or hate Boris Johnson, <laughs> I did find him funny. Was it someone uh, called Starmer, a Borathon? I forget who, but uh, Boris Johnson, he called him a human bollard, as in a bollard in the road, you know, to stop the traffic going wherever. Because apparently Keir Starmer, everything the government did, he blocked it. No, I'm not voting for that. I'm going to block this. And he called him a human bollard. I thought that was quite funny. I don't like politics, that current affairs class. I think we only went once or twice. They gave up with us. No one was interested. Later on in life... I did get a little bit interested in politics, but it became, well, like it is now, it's just become, it's a bit of a farce, isn't it? To be honest, it's just a joke. In the House of Commons, it's just all name calling and slagging off each other. <laughs> what was it, Angela Rayner called the Tories scum or something? I mean, it's just all hopeless, isn't it? But just going back to school when I left at 14, I saw on one of the Victorian farm programmes, which I like, or Edwardian farm, I forget which, and they, oh, it was during the, was it during the war? Anyway, where, whenever it was, the school leaving age, I think it was 12, or no, it was less than that, it was something like 8 or 10, and they said, right, it's got to be 12 now before you leave school to get some sort of education. And then a bit later, when I left when I was at school, it was 16, I believe. I don't know what it is now. But I think I would have been better off. This is the moral of the dragged out story. I would have been better off leaving school at 12, I think. Learn to read and write, sort of, and a little bit of maths. And then leave school and get out into the university of life. I think that would have been perfectly suitable for me. Whereas other children, they would be better. I mean, there was sixth form college they'd have been better going there. I never went to the sick, well, I left school at 14, so I wouldn't. But after school, after 16, you leave school, then you go to the sixth form college where you learn loads more stuff or not, as the case may be. Then you go on to university. 
So I missed all that. And I don't think I missed out on anything. Someone said to me once, it's quite funny. We were talking about education. Oh, you've got a chip on your shoulder because you didn't go to university. And I said, no, I haven't got a chip on my shoulder at all. In fact, contrary, it's the opposite. I'm glad I left at 14. It would have wasted another two years if I'd had to stay on till 16. Oh, no, no, you've got a chip on your shoulder. I mean, another fool, another idiot. Ichiku Park. Why go to, what is it? Why go to learn the words of fools? I never forget that line in that record. Go to school, yeah, to learn the words of fools. <laughs> Happy days. A friend of mine popped round yesterday, someone I've known since I was, what, 15 in the workshop. He popped round. I don't have many visitors, but it was lovely to see him. Nick, hello, Nick, if you're listening, came round with his wife, Anne, and we had a cup of tea and a chat, which was nice. Came up here into the, the radio room, the air-conditioned high-tech high studio, which is all rather good. <laughs> but I don't know many people from the past. I don't know anyone from school. That's funny, isn't it? Trish has got loads of people that she knew at school. A lot of people I know, oh, yeah, I went to school with so-and-so. We're going out for a school reunion evening, a meal and a few drinks. I don't know anyone from school. I don't know where they all went. I suppose they're all doing their own thing somewhere. But I'm not like that. I don't like these meetings and things and all getting together for a chat. I don't like that too much. It was lovely to see my friend Nick yesterday. He was here, what, an hour or two, a couple of hours, I think. And, you know, we had a chat, as I said. That was nice. But I don't like these gatherings where everyone meets up from, uh, from you know, the old school days and they all talk about, oh, do you remember so-and-so teacher? Do you remember this and that? I don't like any of that. I like talking to you about the school days. Just an update on the weather report for you. At the moment, it's, uh, I don't know what the temperature is, it's about 24, which is vastly improved from during the, well, the last few weeks. It's not raining. It's meant to get warmer tomorrow. Oh, it's Saturday now, by the way. I have got the day right, it's Saturday. I checked before continuing with the recording today. I did look at my clock on the wall and it says 10.59, 22 degrees, 2nd of September, 23, Saturday. It's got everything there. <laughs> so I can't go wrong. But it is going to get warmer, apparently, next week. Well, we're off to the Isle of Wight, uh, as I keep... Every week I tell you that, don't I? Talk about a boreathon. Then when we've been there, I'll be saying to you, I went to the Isle of Wight. Every week I'll tell you, I went to the Isle of Wight. Do you know anyone that could be classed as a boreathon? I do. I'm not going to mention any names or where I listen to him or anything, but good grief. He drones on. You think I drone on and on? You've heard nothing. I'll have to record him, give you a blast of what he's like. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, dear. I call him Eeyore. Because <laughs> Eeyore, you know, Willie the Pooh, Eeyore, he was always depressed. Oh, dear. Doom and gloom. Well, this chap's like that. What was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you something. I can't remember. Do you want to email me? Raiserants at protonmail.com. Be great to hear from you. I am taking longer to reply, as I've said before. Another boreathon, because uh, I tell you this every week. I'm getting more and more emails, and it is taking obviously longer to get through them. But that's good in a way, because getting more and more listeners with each week that passes, more and more listeners. To, I should have called it Ray's Borathon. <laughs> I love that word, Borathon. It's brilliant. Had an email during the week. Where's my bit of paper? John. Hello, John. Did you collect and play Conkers, he says. Yes. In fact, isn't it Conker season now? I believe now the Conkers, they're probably not quite ready because it was more into the autumn, wasn't it, Conkers? I remember baking them in the oven because they were meant to get stronger that way, harder. I remember soaking them in vinegar, none of which did any good at all. And we used to play conkers in the playground at school. Everyone had a pocket full of conkers on string and, you know, you'd smash other people's conkers, get your hand, because they'd swing round and bash the back of your hand or fly up into your face. I think they've been banned now. Health and safety, can't play conkers. Can't do this, can't do that, can't do anything. But conkers were fantastic. That's something else that was really good. I said fantastic, didn't I? Apologies. That's something else, though, that was really good. And 
the kids nowadays, they don't have that. You can't play conkers at school in the playground. It's all been banned in case someone gets a little bit of a bruised knuckle. Oh, that won't do. Right, close the school for two weeks. Someone's had a bruised knuckle. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's gone wrong with the world. Ripped trousers, greys, knees, you know, black eyes, nosebleeds, uh, scraped elbows. It was all part of the fun, certainly for boys growing up. Well, perhaps it wasn't fun, but uh, I told you a friend of mine broke his arm. He fell off my bike. That was great fun. He loved it. <laughs> well, he didn't love it. He was scared when he got home. Do you remember I told you? He said, I can't tell my mum I was on your bike. She'll tell me off. I said, well, tell her you were on your bike and you fell off. Oh, yeah. Anyway, he didn't. He told her he was riding my bike. She had said, don't ride other people's bikes because you'll fall off. You're not used to them. And he did fall off and broke his arm. <laughs> I found that quite funny. So, yes, John, conkers, that was good fun, making a hole with a skewer and tying the bit of string through them and bashing people, bashing their conkers and bashing their hands. That was good fun. John also wondered, where is it? Um, where's the email? Here we are. D yes, I collected marbles. He says, do you remember tours? They were the big marbles, weren't they? Funnily enough, I saw a programme the other day, was it or on TikTok or somewhere, a video, of how they make marbles. It's quite interesting. I'd never thought about that before. Everyone had marbles, didn't they, in the old days? Every kid had marbles. Weren't they called alleys? Or am I thinking of something else? They were called alleys as well, weren't they? As in a L or something or other. I don't remember many children having to go to hospital in the old days. Presumably some kids had to, like the chap that broke his arm, I suppose he had to. I'm always saying to Trish, if she's doing something a little bit precarious, like balancing on a chair to reach something, I'll say to her, can you do that after lunch? I'm not going to A&E before lunch because I'm starved. <laughs> or if it's almost dinner time. I'm not going to A&E before dinner, so get off that chair. <laughs> she doesn't care. She climbs up things. She goes up ladders and all sorts. I can't do heights. She just doesn't care. Climbs up. She said, I'll clean out the guttering. And I said, no, you won't. It's a house. Is what, 20 feet up there? Oh, I'll go up the ladder and clean out the guttering. And I've said, if your mum, ask your mum and your sister, if they say yes, you can, then you can. And she knows very well they won't say yes. They'll say, certainly not. You're not going up there. Talking of children going to school in the old days, well, I did, of course, rip my liver. I tell people I ripped it in half. It sounds better than ruptured. That hurt. I kept going in and out of consciousness. Anyway, you don't want to worry about that. That was years ago. I also, when I was apparently about two or three years old, I ate deadly nightshade. I must have gone to hospital. Did I go to hospital for that? I must ask my mother. Deadly nightshade. Don't the berries look attractive? No, mustn't say that as if any children listening. Oh, I'll go and try that. But we did things. I mean, that's different. I was two years old. But children, older children, did things back then that were dangerous. I've told you about going down the steep hill on my bicycle at 40 miles an hour. That's the fastest we could get our bikes to go down that hill. 40 miles an hour. Main road at the bottom. Busy main road. Luckily, our brakes worked of sorts. But we did dangerous things. Well, what would be classed as dangerous today? Well, forbidden today. Not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. Whereas back then, we fell out of trees and fell off our bikes and all sorts of things, which was just part of growing up. Just about every kid in the school had scraped knees and uh, cuts and bruises all over the place. That was just part of life. Talking of days when we were young, have you ever thought that you'd like to go back and do it all over again, but with one difference, knowing what you know now? I've often thought that. Imagine you're 16 again, but you know what you know now. All the experience that you've had throughout your whole life, you know at 16 years old. That would be quite amazing, wouldn't it? All the knowledge you've got, all the experience, love and war and having children and all sorts of things, learning to drive, everything. You've got all that knowledge. I wonder, that might not be a good idea after all, because what would you do? You'd probably say, well, I'm not going to get married because <laughs> that ends in disaster. <laughs> well, not for everyone, of course. I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. What I would like to do, I know this is daft, I would love to go back to pre-human times when it was just animals, not us, wrecking the planet. That would be fantastic. 
Funnily enough, uh, talking of that, my niece, she was at the Amberley Museum yesterday. She said, if we're not careful, the human race, you know, we're going to wipe ourselves out. We won't exist. And I said, that's exactly what I'm always thinking. Imagine if we, I don't know, wiped ourselves out with some disease or whatever we did. And it just went back to animals, all the animals. All the buildings would fall down and crumble, wouldn't they? The jungles would take over, plants would take over, just the animals. I don't know. It's it's a thought that I've, I can't get it out of my mind. It's strange. I don't know why I keep thinking that. Is it a, a premonition? Is it something that is going to happen one day? Well, if it does, it won't be in my time, so I won't know. Nice to hear from John. He mentioned Fireball XL5. I was talking about that, wasn't I? Fireball XL5, that was good. Jim from Vancouver. Hello, Jim. Nice to hear from you. Jim's retired, but he's got a part-time job and uh, just catching up with some of the podcast episodes. There, who was it? Eric. Hello, Eric, if you're, if you're listening today. Nice to hear from you. Eric saves them up, he says. He, he listens about once a month and he will listen to four of the Sunday episodes in one sort of go. What is it they call it? binge listening or something like people that get these box sets and watch a whole series of tv programs in one day they just sit there watching episode after episode yeah binge so binge listening in this case the sun's shining and it's a perfectly clear blue sky the flag's barely moving cherry tree isn't moving much temperatures rising at last a bit late in the year now though isn't it oh rob in australia hello rob coming up to your winter, uh, sorry, your summer. We're coming up to our winter, coming up to your summer, springtime. Is it funny how the other side of the world, it's the opposite. I remember as a kid thinking, I think I've told you this before, my grandmother saying, oh, in Australia, they have Christmas dinner on the beach. Well, of course they don't, in the snow on the beach. No, no, it's their summer. I couldn't understand that at all. I had an email from Jerry some weeks ago that I don't think I ever did answer, Jerry. I just found it. I was going through them all. He says, did you have to show your school report when you went for a job, your first job? No, I didn't. Because I'd played truant and got the cane on more than one occasion, the headmaster said to me, this will be on your school report that when you're bored, you just walk out and go home. He said, how do you think that's going to look? when you go for your first job, when they read your school report, when he gets fed up, he just clears off and goes home. They didn't put that on my report, as it happens. But no one ever wanted to read my school report. If they did, if they had, I wouldn't have got a job. Can't be bothered. Lazy. <laughs> Plays truant half the time. I wouldn't have got a job. I didn't have to show anything. All I did at my first job, I went along there, and the chap there, the service manager at the TV, radio and TV workshop, he said, you interested then in electronics? I said, yes, I am, always have been. Got some books that I read. OK, he said, start Monday. That was it. Be here at half past eight Monday. Of course, for an apprenticeship, the, the money I got was abysmal because I was on day release and all that lot. And initially, you know, when I started, I was a little bit of a dog's body. But it was great. It was great. No one ever wanted to see any documentation. What's the point of looking at a school report? Oh, he was good at geography. He got A, a plus for geography. What's that got to do with mending televisions? Waste of time. Most of my life I've been self-employed. But when I went for the other job, the marine electronics... I didn't have a reference because I hadn't told the service manager that I was leaving the radio and TV workshop. I hadn't told him that. I went round, got the interview at this other job, the Marine place. They didn't want to see a school report. Well, I was, I was older by then. They didn't want any reference. He just said, what's your experience? I said, well, years as a radio and TV engineer, licensed radio hand, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that'll do, yeah, start Monday. I couldn't start Monday because I'd not given my notice in from the last job, but I started in a couple of weeks and that was that. I always felt I was far better off self-employed. As I said, been self-employed most of my life and I enjoy it. You're your own boss. Okay, the money might not be fantastic, but at least you're your own boss. If someone said, oh, next Thursday we're doing so-and-so, oh yeah, I'll do that. I can take a day off. 
It was really nice to be able to join in things in the week with friends and family, rather than, well, I can't, I'm stuck at work, can't get a day off, can't really choose holiday, you have to book your holiday. I like the first two weeks of August. Oh, sorry, other people have got that. Didn't like all that. I've been watching a programme recently with Trish about food in the 1970s. Nothing to do with what I was talking about or school. Just came to mind because I've just had lunch, which is very nice. Leicester cheese and pickle in bread rolls. That's what I've just had for lunch. Red Leicester, isn't it? So this food back in the 70s is quite interesting. It's when supermarkets were first coming about. Tesco's, Sainsbury's, Asda. And they're talking about food such as Frey Bentos steak and kidney pies in tins. They were sold in tins. Uh, Angel Delight. Do you remember that? Angel Delight. <laughs> that was, I sort of quite liked that. It was rather disgusting. All these various foods from the old days. Cadbury's Smash. Now, normally when you mention Cadbury's, people think of chocolate, Easter eggs, Cadbury's cream eggs. But this was Smash which was mashed potato in a packet. So it's dehydrated potato. <laughs> I remember it and it was disgusting. Dehydrated potato in a packet. So it's powder form. You put it in a bowl and add hot water, boiling hot water, stir it all up and there's your mashed potato. Do you remember the adverts with some alien spacemen laughing at us because we had to peel potatoes and then boil them and then mash them and all this stuff? They were very good. They were daft adverts, but they worked. They were saying on the programme that they really did work well. A lot of people bought Cadbury's Smash, mashed potato. But it was disgusting. I don't know why it should be disgusting, because it, all it was was dehydrated potato crushed into powder that you then put the water back, but something isn't right about it. In the war, you could get powdered eggs, couldn't you? Dehydrated eggs and things. I don't, I've never tried that. I, I don't know how that would work. But it is strange that the, the potato, once you put the water back, there must be something missing because it certainly didn't taste the same. But it was interesting, this programme, looking at all the products in the supermarkets back then. And the prices, of course. You know, a few pennies for this and a few pennies for that. <laughs> Whereas now it's pounds. Then they had the... Do you remember the Vesta curries? Vesta, wasn't it? Vesta curries in a packet. And I think to that, you add water and mix it all up and boil it and whatever you did. A lot of boil-in-the-bag foods came about in the 1970s. I didn't really like any of that. Trish says I'm a fussy eater. I don't, I don't know, perhaps I am. I didn't like boil-in-the-bag stuff. Somehow it just didn't taste right. Then there were pot noodles. I didn't like pot noodles. You're thinking, what did you like? I don't know. I don't like anything, really. I like cheese and pickle rolls. They're nice. <laughs> but uh, this pot noodle stuff in a, in a pot, you add hot water to that, stir it up, and it becomes a kind of meal. They were saying that in the 70s, a lot of British people were beginning to get a bit of an oriental, a, a taste for the Orient, put it that way, a taste for the Orient. Curries and other stuff that was coming into the country from abroad. I like curry, I like vegetable curry. We sometimes have a Chinese takeaway. I used to like Chinese meal in the old days. We'd go out to a Chinese restaurant. That was quite nice. I do love these old documentaries and interesting programmes. As I mentioned, Victorian Farm, Wartime Farm, all these old programmes. I wish they'd make programmes about, you know, even earlier than that. I don't know, say 1400 and something, 1500 and something, or even before that, about the food, how they cooked, what life was like then. There's a place uh, near us, what's it called? Weald and Downland, I think it's called Weald and Downland, at the back of Chichester, I believe it is, or is it the back of Arundel? No, Chichester. They've got houses and bits and pieces that I don't know from what era, from what time, but it is a few hundred years ago. And that's quite interesting. But I do wish there were more programmes, more documentaries about the... Well, about history, isn't it? As I was talking earlier about schools, about history. Perhaps 1400, 1500, that sort of era. I said Vesta curry, isn't it? Vista, V-I-S-T-A, Vista. 
I don't know, I can't remember, no doubt you'll correct me. I just looking around thinking, why can I smell pickle? A very strong smell of Branston pickle. It's all down the front of my shirt, my clean shirt. I get told off. The older I get, the more food I spill down my shirt. Isn't it awful? I hate getting old. I don't like that. I'm going to have to change this shirt or try and wash it off. It won't wash off, will it? So just give me a couple of minutes and I'll be back. I was in the bathroom trying to wash it off and Trisha caught me. So she's taken it away. I've had to put a clean shirt on. Anyway, that's enough of me spilling food all over the place. Have you had enough? Where are we? 50 minutes or so? The gardening is beckoning. It's calling me. Blue sky. The tortoise is out and about. Mother-in-law is here having lunch. So I shall go and show my face. Don't forget to email me. Raiserants at protonmail.com I thought by now we'd have a few more audio clips, MP3 or whatever format, with various sounds. Nothing else from Duncan, which is nice. Hello, Duncan. <laughs> That's funny. Haven't heard from Janet for a while. Who remembers Janet? Haven't heard from her for a few months now. Hope you're OK, Janet, if you're still listening. Did hear from Katie the other day. Hello, Katie. She's just uh, emailed to say, still listening to the podcast, still loving them, so that's good. Oh, spoke to my son in North Carolina a couple of days ago. Asked him about the hurricane that they've had in Florida, that dreadful hurricane that's come up and uh, over Florida. It was supposed to be going up to the Carolinas, but apparently it didn't quite make it. He said the only damage the storm did was a few leaves in the swimming pool. So they can cope with that all right, which is good news. But that was awful. I saw that on the TV. Dreadful. As I've said many times before, in Britain here, the weather might not be red hot every summer and proper winters with some decent snow. It's a bit of a mishmash, but at least we don't get hurricanes, earthquakes, tidal waves. They're not called tidal waves anymore. What's that noise? I'm getting messages on my iPhone. They're Tassamis, aren't they? Sami, Tassamis. They used to be tidal waves. I don't know why things have to change. Everything changes, doesn't it? They're changing street names in London. I have various reasons. Goodness knows what's going on. Pub names, as I've said before, pub names change. Oh, you know the Duck and Dog? Oh, yeah, I know it. Then they'll change the name. Oh, do you know the, the Beachcomber Inn? No, where's that? Well, it was the Duck and Dog. Well, why did you say the duck and dog in the first place? I don't know. Everything changes and I don't like it. That's it. I've bored, I've <laughs> bored you enough. Borathon. I love that word. I've borathoned enough. I shall see you next Wednesday with the midweek message. Behave yourself. And as always, don't do anything I wouldn't do, <laughs> which leaves you wide open to do what you like. Lovely talking to you. See you on Wednesday. Take care. Bye bye for now.